Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. A big thanks to Bill Aikens, the Little League umpire, for joining us in studio. OutKick 360 rolls on. Final hour is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Monday edition coming up in 20 minutes. Brandon Wright, 12-year NBA vet, joins us as we hit the big headlines from the NBA Finals and uh, the world of the NBA. We'll, we'll dive into that. Big headlines, though, to begin as Clay Travis uh, remains in studio with us. Uh, Clay, once again, I, I thought the uh, the meeting of the minds, so to speak, between you and and Bill, the, the umpire, uh, went far better than I'm, I could have expected. What did you expect would happen? I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what he was going to be like. I didn't expect you to ever admit fault in anything, quite frankly, knowing you. And talking to you on the phone Friday, you never admitted uh, that dropping the F-bomb was wrong. In fact, when we discussed it, Clay, you said, this is my na- th- you know me, this is my reaction is my at, a, reaction. at a Vols game. Or a oh, Titans I agree game. with you. And I responded and said, of course it is, but you're not going to win this because this it's, isn't a Titans game or a Vols league. game. Right. It's but an 11-year-old my, the game. The reason why we have the audience that we do is because I have virtually no filter. And so I understand the argument of, hey, you got to talk differently. I wish, by the way, he was still here because we were talking off the air um, about him being frustrated at the umpiring in last night's uh, Tennessee, and uh, he's a Tennessee fan, last night's Tennessee game against Georgia Tech. You guys watched that game, yeah. I'm assuming. The umpire strike zone was indefensible. It was all over the place. Indefensible. It was on all both, over the on place. On both sides. Yes. You had no idea what was going to be a ball or what was going to be a strike. And I meant to ask him that when we were talking uh, because he, uh, he was like, yeah, I was, I was frustrated by the, uh, by the inconsistency of the strike zone. That umpire was doing uh, a bad job. And one, at one point, he rung up, rang up a Tennessee batter. Uh, with runners, I think, on second and third on a called third strike, which was not a third strike, right? It was high and inside. And my reaction when I was sitting on the couch was, you've got to be effing kidding me. So that's the, that's the way I react to all. Now people can say, hey, uh, you, uh, you shouldn't react that way. Like if you reacted a Titans game or a University of Tennessee game or, I mean, where's the line where it would be okay to react with an F-bomb? High school? Uh, I mean, I... I no, probably college. Once you get to I, college, I say, some yeah, people would say uh, you can't ever like curse. I, if I ever, uh, you know, in a game as a high school player, and we all were there at one point, if we dropped an f bomb to an official, we're getting teed up. You know, you're getting something's going to happen to you. I'd say the same uh, for a parent. But look, Clay, I, I, I commend you. You admitted fault. Uh, I should dro- have drop it, drop still, that, still disagree it. with the call that he yeah, made. I mean, but, and that's and that's fine. I told you all along. I think the biggest question. Wasn't necessarily is it um, is it batter interference or not? It's do you call that in that situation with eleven year olds on a play that doesn't result in a run? Yeah, and that was sort of your argument that's, too. That, right? That's why I reacted the way I did uh, because I'm a believer in um, you know call something when you have to call it, which is what I said. Like if the ball had 
somehow gone off of uh, off my son or it had gone down the line and there was an advantage gained. I'm a big believer, my personal belief, uh, is make calls when they are necessary to be made, right? So if there's not an advantage gained, I would allow the kids on any level, and by the way, I would say for college or pro or whatever it is, allow the players on the field to decide everything. He made a judgment call. He has the right, by the way, because I went back and looked at the rule. He has the right to make that call, um, but uh, that's not a call that, uh, that I would have made in that situation, and that's why I reacted uh, the way that I did. So, uh, And by the way, I've been a perfect angel up to that <laughs> point, uh, the, uh, the first uh, three innings of the game until that call. Just an amazing parent fan. Um, and, uh, and obviously fell apart, uh, in the, uh, the reaction there. And I knew it, by the way, as soon as I said, you've got to be, uh, effing kidding me. Um, and I might be approximating what exactly I said. I was like, yeah, that's probably, that's why I didn't argue. I was like, yeah, you know, um, cause my wife was <laughs> like, me. My, yeah, I was like, well, I mean, you know, I understand, <laughs> I understand the bright line rule. If you can't say an F-bomb at a little league game and then other people are like, well, if I got kicked out of a little league game, I would never talk about it. I would never mention it. I would never discuss it with anybody ever for the rest of, uh, of my life. I would pretend it never happened. And that's not me, right? Like, uh, for better or worse, I'm going to tell you, uh, what happened. And, you know, I kind of making a joke about it, but. We spent at least an hour one day on the radio discussing the co-ed kickball league referees' oh, decision. Probably I feel like show. there was multiple shows. Uh, might have been multiple shows. <laughs> opening up phone, opening up phone lines, allowing people to react. If I had been doing my uh, my show, my you know early morning national Fo- uh, Fox Sports Radio show, outkick the coverage. Oh, we would have done the whole show on this. We would have opened up phone lines. I would have had parents calling in. Do you remember the call, about- by the way, in kickball? There were two separate yeah, incidents I-, I can recall. One was. You and I both going after the official because they were misimplementing a rule. Yeah, I remember exactly. Remember, what it, was it was they put a girl on second and a guy kicking every inning, and we had the reverse. Yeah, and we're thinking exactly that can't be right. Was yeah. that the was that the it was extra innings? It was extra innings. You were playing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was extra innings in our co-ed kickball league. And for people out there who didn't know, we played several seasons, several years of co-ed kickball. It was a blast. So much fun. Uh, and we were in extra innings, and this was before like the pandemic Major League Baseball adjustments. The rule was they put a runner on second, and whoever scored first was the winner. And the way that the co-ed kickball league worked was everybody went guy-girl, right? So guy kick, then girl You start with kick. two outs, right? You start two with outs two outs, runner on second. Yeah. Start with two outs, runner on second, and you go guy-girl. And so our scenario that we had ended up with, if I'm not mistaken, was we had a girl kicking every time and a guy on second base every time right which was theoretically a disadvantage because guys typically are better kickers and so I said well there's no way that you would design an overtime rule where every single extra inning advantages the same team you should be flipping and adjusting every time right so sometimes they would have a girl on second so anyway so it ended with me saying if you were a uh i think it was a south american uh soccer referee you'd be executed for this decision <laughs> it's a classic line yeah um and, and i mean he's right i remember having it we had we took calls another time because i was a coach right i've coached little league a, a lot and we had a game end i think it was like an eight nine baseball where we had a runner called out on a bases loaded situation for running outside the baseline avoiding trying to run into somebody and I didn't say anything we just let the game end and then I went on the radio and I was like when do you argue as a head coach 
at what age, if you believe the rule is being misapplied, do you actually go to the officials, the umpires, and actually dispute as a head coach in Little League that they may have made the wrong call? And so we opened up phone lines and we took calls, I mean, wildly popular discussions and calls on what is the age in which you can dispute uh, a, uh, a call that's made. Brandon Wright, by the way, just walked in. Looks fantastic in his outfit. Brandon and had enough to get through the door. It yes. uh, tells you uh, he's These are not feet. short doors no. here at Old Smokey. You can no. ask when Brandon sits in with you guys to break down the NBA Finals, you can ask him about... When's uh, the appropriate age to start arguing with the ump or the I mean, as, a, as an NBA player, at what age would he want his coach to go balls to the wall to argue what he thinks is an inappropriate what, call. What age do you think is appropriate? Is it like a level, like a travel ball level Yeah, that's age? the other thing. We were in travel or ball. Or is it like school ball when you get to junior <laughs> I think high, tra- high school? I think travel ball factors in because yeah, how much the, kids, money are you paying to play? the kids are more talented and uh, the quality of play is higher, yeah. right? Well, like high school coaches argue with officials all, all the, the time. time in every sport and no one oh, thinks twice about it. Yes, sir. That's, that's so when I, is it appropriate? Middle school? I... I think if the rule is being misapplied, is your eleven-year-old you son coach, right on the precipice of getting to the appropriate age for the well, coach to argue? Yeah, I think coaches can argue at eleven, but I'm not a coach, right? So I was just in the crowd. So I like I should be like the standard for you know parent behavior is different than the standard for coach behavior. Um, but I think in general, uh, that's the question, right? Like, what is the age where a misapplied rule? And I'll give you an example. I was coaching I, I, Brandon. Uh, probably has played in some of these gyms. I was co- coaching uh, basketball. First call, foul is called. This is just this past, like, j- December or January. First foul is called. I don't even know if you know this. I would have done a whole show on this. Uh, first foul <laughs> this is called. This may be our next show. <laughs> first foul is called. First of all, my son's team is playing against other 12-year-olds, and I think, like, four of them had kids, right? Some of them may have driven. <laughs> they all had mustaches. <laughs> They're if getting were, recruited already? Yeah, they, 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 they could have they made the NCAA. Tom Izzo was in the crowd they, they, that day in the gym. These, I remember kids. These kids could have made the NCAA tournament. I mean, they were throwing alley-oops. Uh, and uh, they all had mullets, by the way, which is really popular <laughs> yes. now. The mullet has come back. Uh, my 11-year-old has a, has a mullet, and so do a bunch of his friends. So these kids have mustaches. And <laughs> I remember my, my son said, at one point after the game, he's like, I don't even know what you wanted us to do, Dad. They had mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> They're shaving. <laughs> and if you remember that age where the kids hit puberty, and it's like you go from, like, a boy to, like, you're a man, right? And that, that age can be, like, they can be, like, eight months apart, and one of them can look like a grown man, and the other one The power forward look- asked me to babysit for him. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. How do you respond to that little so, trash talk? And so I'm already nervous just having watched the warm-ups. And by the way, I was stepping in to coach because the other two coaches were out, so, like, I was the fill-in coach. And I, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching them warm up, and I'm like, I do not feel good about our chances to break this press, right? Like, these kids are everywhere. They're covering the field. They got mullets. They got mustaches. They may have kids. They may have driven themselves to this 12-year-old <laughs> game. Um, and, so, uh, and so first foul call occurs. Referee says, okay, it's shooting foul. Kid goes to the line. Kid takes the first shot. Referee calls a lane violation. And I'm like, okay. Then... He allows them to shoot three free throws. They make the first two. And I said, what? I'm on the sideline. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. They've already made the first two. And the ref says to me, no, when there is a lane violation, you get to shoot three free throws. It was not a three-point foul, right? 
And so I'm like, well, this is 100% wrong. Was like, that a league rule or was that? No, no, no. The kid, the ref, I mean, he's probably 20. He the ref the was to- and a pretty basic rule, right? Yeah. Like on a lane, they made the free throw on the lane violation. So whatever, they're going to take the point. He let him shoot a third. And so I'm like, I thought I was getting uh, pranked, right? Because I'm stepping coach. Like how aggressively am I supposed to do? We're probably going to get run in this game, right? But how aggressively do you combat as the coach on the sideline an egregious rule violation. Like, I disagreed with, with Bill's call, but he had, it's a judgment call. He gets the right to make that. This was one where it's 100% wrong. And so uh, the other coach, I was like and, – and also, by the way, when somebody gets something that wrong, you guys ever get in that situation? Where when somebody's so wrong, in your head you're like, wait a minute, am I totally wrong? Like, not something where it's a little bit wrong. You start second-guessing yeah, yourself. So, it's so wrong. I'm like, did I somehow miss – the, the, the rule on lane violations, and I'm totally wrong. And I turned to the other coach uh, there, and I'm like, what is he doing? And he was like, I, I don't have any <laughs> earthly idea. So did you get run from that game? or just no. you just No, I just – I mean, I wore it. I mean, we were going to get wrecked. I mean, let's be honest. The free throw <laughs> was not going to swing this game. I think we were down like 25 at the half. Uh, so uh, that was that was not going to swing the game. It was not a matchup of, of relative equals. The mullet-haired mustache team – uh, was going to uh, to absolutely dominate us. I love the uh, the question of when is it appropriate for coaches to get into it with umpires or refs. I may write about this for a future Outkick column, in fact. Uh, I will tell you, and Clay, we talked about this with the, the kickball league. When you play men's league sports, uh, Brandon Wright played in the NBA. That was his men's league, so he doesn't really know this. Um, it's all, all, Everything is fair game. Like when grown yeah. men are playing and there are grown men officiating – I have seen some of the craziest altercations, myself included, where you can say as many f bombs as you want. You're going at it. It's like an NHL, you know, where you're you're like nose to nose with the ref in men's league basketball, and everything and by the is way, fair. It doesn't, and matter. you also know them all well. It doesn't matter at all. Like it matters in the context of your play, but you're talking about like intramural adult league basketball. Oh, I'm talking like men's league basketball at First Presbyterian Church. <laughs> And you're saying things that never should be said in a church. And you're just going all in on, on the rest. It happens like, all the time. And by the way, I would encourage people to be umpires. Like People are like, oh, you're discra- – no, I want as many umpires as possible. I want as many good umpires. And, uh, and also, by the way, if you're getting paid, I think you should expect that there may be criticism associated with that. So, um, so in general, uh, that I would have opened up. So people, again, this is circling back around to how does this end up being a conversational point – I've been doing this for 15 years. You know, like we've been doing open up the phone lines, let's talk about It's this, relatable. That, yeah, right. And that's why, you know, millions of people are going to end up consuming all of this content. Are you, are you, I'm, I'm going to be watching the Live Tournament this weekend. Uh, Mickelson's playing, but beyond that, I mean, it's on uh, YouTube, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, live stream starting Thursday. Uh, Mickelson's uh, announced he's he's in. We have the statement from Greg Norman, the CEO. And beyond that, Clay, uh, uh, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, uh, Martin Keimer, others, they're all participating. A ton of money with all of this. And now two months removed from where Mickelson's been silent, other than liking a tweet in a response to one of your tweets, I yeah, believe. Yeah, Mickelson's now evidently a big outfit guy. Look, he's in. Reports are Phil Mickelson got $200 million. And I'll be interested to hear what Brandon thinks about this. But my perspective is if – like, take it outside of the world of golf. I don't know anybody who's ever criticized a boxer because they or a UFC fighter because they agree to go perform in a country that has different rights 
than the United States, right? Uh, if you told me right now, hey, Clay, we will 10 times your earnings if you go live and do your show from Saudi Arabia for a year, I'd probably go to Saudi Arabia. But you don't even have to do that on this tour. There's right. only one event I, that's being played. I there. understand, but I'm just saying from my own perspective, yeah. I'm a capitalist, right? Like, I don't begrudge the WWE for deciding to go to Saudi Arabia and put on events there. I don't begrudge UFC going around the world to whichever country offers them the best deal to do their events. So, look, Joe Biden's about to get on a plane and fly to Saudi Arabia and beg Saudi Arabia to produce more oil so we all don't have to pay so much for the gallon of gas here. How in the world is Phil Mickelson getting ripped to the high heavens for selling his labor to the highest bidder? Now, I think it's fair to criticize when if I lectured all of you and I was like, I believe all X, Y, and Z in the political realm, and then I went to a country that didn't allow X, Y, and Z, and I've been lecturing everybody in the United States over my political beliefs, and I then became a hypocrite, I think that's fair. Like, the, ripping the NBA, if the NBA had just said from the get-go, look, we want to make as much money as we possibly can, and we're going to play as many games as we can in as many different countries, and those countries are all going to have different rules and human rights regulations than we do in the United States, I would say, you know what? I agree. That's basically what the WWE has done. To my knowledge, guys, I don't know that Phil Mickelson or Dustin Johnson or Greg Norman or Sergio Garcia have ever lectured any of us about their politics so that they're now becoming hypocrites and just taking the money. So that, that's the way I would analyze it. Phil Mickelson wants to make $200 million. First of all, it's probably good for his bookie. Uh, yep. but, uh, but also, like more power to him. I'm a capitalist. I think you should sell your labor to the highest bidder as long as it's legal. I, I, I agree with you, most everything you're saying, Clay. The, the one difference I would say is what Phil Mickelson did was not just take the money. He uh, spoke out against the PGA. You know, he complained about PGA being greedy when Phil Mickelson's been known to be greedy at times. So this, the equivalent would be you leaving for Saudi Arabia to take a boatload of cash and on <laughs> your way out criticizing American broadcasting and OutKick which helped you make a ton of money along the way. I think that's where Phil well, Mickelson rubbed the I tour think most, the wrong most way. Most people are ripping Phil Mickelson because he acknowledged that Saudi Arabia had committed human rights violations right. because they killed, allegedly, a reporter. Um, and that's, you know, Joe Biden was like, hey, that makes them a pariah state. Uh, but look, if they are putting on the best golf tournaments in the world, I don't have any issue with somebody making the decision well, to go Dustin play Dustin Johnson gets a pass because he, he's ignorant to it. You know, he's just basically playing dumb about everything. I mean, everything written about Dustin Johnson is the guy likes to do two things, play golf and make money. So this makes total sense. He doesn't care at all about human rights violations or anything way, else. I think and no one's criticizing because of it because he's going into it and saying, what? I, I, I know the, nothing about that. By the way, I think that's the vast majority of athletes all over the world. I yeah. think most of them want to compete at the highest level in their sport and make as much money as they possibly can doing it. Well, and as we well know, the, the reaction to Mickelson was quick and immediate. And once you dive deeper on all of the companies, I, I made a point earlier, this is going to be streamed live on YouTube and Facebook. So are you telling me that RBC and KPMG and whatever beer company pulled their sponsorships from Mickelson or any individual, Dustin Johnson, anyone... Are they about to no longer be a part of the Google algorithm because it's going to be streamed live on <laughs> of YouTube? Of course not. Are they going to pull all ads or in Facebook algorithms 
because Facebook is going to air the Saudi-backed golf league that's teeing off in London? Absolutely not. How about the golf course itself? The golf course is not saying, oh, Saudi Arabia is paying for this. We can't allow the golf competition to play in London. No, they're probably making hand-over-fist money in order to put this on. Five of the seven golf courses are in the United States where the tour will be. It just happens to start in London. Yeah, and look, the Saudis are paying those tours, I bet, uh, those courses – way more than the PGA would. To be, I don't know how the, the business side of that works, but I don't have a problem with those courses uh, being like, hey, we want to do this live event. And, uh, and so I don't begrudge any... Look, basically what this is, if you take a step back, is golfers have not had free agency. Golfers, if you're a pro golfer, you have to be on the PGA Tour. Now, you can make a lot of money off the PGA Tour through your golf uh, sponsorships, through your you know watch endorsement deals, cars. Like We've clearly seen all that happen. But what we now have is the golfers themselves are able to sell their golf talent to the highest possible bidder, and it seems like the Live Tour is the highest possible bidder. Um, and if the Saudis decided to get into the NBA and they decided to start their own basketball league, I bet there'd be a lot of dudes who were under NBA uh, contracts expiring that would say, you know what? If I could make four or five X by playing in a Saudi-backed basketball league, I think a lot of dudes would do it. Baseball, football, wherever it is, most athletes and most Americans, are that's what capitalism is, are going to sell their labor to the highest possible bidder. Clay Travis in studio with us. Clay, good to see you, man. Um, dressed to the nines, ready to go to dinner this evening. Uh, and thanks for... Uh, Sitting down with Bill on the way out. That was fun. You guys there. did a good job putting it up. And by the way, it's definitely a sign that it's considered dressed to the nines for me that I have a button-down shirt on. Yeah, well, you yeah. Look, it looks like you have a tie so and white, a jacket. Is this, it's, is this it? I don't have a tie. I've got a jacket. But I might have to do TV on Fox News tonight. Yeah, but I've is, got a button-down okay. shirt and a This jacket. is dressed to the nines for yeah, Clay Travis. that's exactly right. There's no T-shirt. He's not wearing the Outkick shirt, uh, a D-back. Brandon or, uh, is, though, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. yes. Uh, Brandon's ready to go. He's got the Carolina blue Outkick the Cover shirt on. Uh, and we'll have him sit where Clay is currently sitting. When we come back, we'll talk NBA headlines and Smooth more. That camera we'll up. also pose the, the topic to, to Brandon that he's been listening to uh, about the, the Little League officiating. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Fast-paced, fun show today. Outkick 360 rolls on Monday edition. If you've missed any portion of our conversation, we had Eric Snow on earlier Clay Travis and Bill Akins, the umpire who tossed Clay from the Little League game. If you missed that, you can go back on the podcast, download Outkick 360 wherever you find your audio. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK rejoins us next week. In studio with us right now is Brandon Wright, friend of the show, 12-year NBA vet, now the, the entrepreneur off the court. <laughs> uh, as well as uh, the MVP dad, uh, as it would be. Uh, good to see you again, Brandon. Hope things are well. Things are well. It was a, uh, as you guys know, I, I, like I told Hutton, it was a crazy week last week. Um, <laughs> my daughter, she broke her broke her arm. Ooh. So uh, it was crazy. How did that happen? <sighs> Not a fracture. This, uh, you show me the x-rays. This is, oh, this is, a clean this is hardcore. Yeah, this is a clean. I, we, we still don't know what really happened. Um, you know, they were with the sitter and, you know, no, no one was doing anything out of the ordinary. Um, and one of my twins were, 
she was on a like a lounge chair, and I heard a balloon was involved. So if a balloon and a lounge chair are involved, that can't be good. <laughs> uh, and I think she probably stepped on it and then tried to brace her, you know, break her fall, and she broke her arm. But we've been preaching for a long time, girls. You got to be safe, and you know, no running in the house, no hitting corners hard, right? You know, no iPads on the steps, you know, and. Here we are. <laughs> I only had four a, to six weeks. I had one broken bone. It was my it's my left thumb, Chad. It's well documented. I did this playing baseball. Uh, hit hit by the pitch. Uh, umpire called it a foul ball. It was actually hit by me and uh, hit me and broke my. I had a cast around my hand for oh. six weeks. That's the only broken bone though. And so I know you know Simon has been in a cast. Uh, Paul's son. We've we've seen the X rays of that. Uh, I saw the X rays of Brandon's daughter. I mean, this is a clean, just like snap. Yeah, it is not. Not look pretty. She, so, I mean, she's been best tough, of though. luck with she, the recovery. You know, she cried a little bit, for, you know, for the probably first 30, 30 minutes or so. But she was, she's been tough. I mean, she said it doesn't hurt anymore, Daddy. I can go back to my old self. Well, we both have daughters. I know Brandon knows this too. But no matter how much you preach about not hitting the corners and everything else, yeah. they always go to the most dangerous spot yep. in the house to <laughs> throw the ball at each other yeah. or whatever it may be. And I'm thinking every time you turn and sprint and you're looking back at me. I mean, my almost three-year-old will almost run into a column in our house yeah. over and over again, not looking. And I'm thinking, we could do this in the area that's completely wide open, and it would be fine, but they always pick the most dangerous spots to do it. So um, hopefully your daughter recovers quickly. Nah, she, she's, she's doing great. We, you know, we go back tomorrow and uh, get a, another x-ray, a new cast. I think because they had to kind of lock her elbow because they needed her thumb to stay straight to allow this, this bone right here to heal the radius. So – you know, hopefully they'll release her elbow and she can just do all her, her normal stuff without, you know, having her elbow locked out. Question for you regarding the NBA Finals. I, I like to think in terms of what, I've, what am I watching that's going to mean something down the road? Is it bigger for Steph Curry to get his fourth title in this series or for Jason Tatum to win number one with Boston and start whatever they could get going? <sighs> I, think it's, I think it's bigger for Tatum to get this one because, you know, the East is wide open to me still. You know, they could they could have been swept out the first round too. I mean, if you if you look at the the setup of the East, I mean, all those teams have very, very good players, at least two stars, especially those top teams. Yep. Um I mean, you know, it was a luck of the draw and they got hot. Um, you know, what you know, I kinda worry about them because they go in these cold streaks and they don't play well at home, which is weird. And and I've been maintaining this the whole playoffs. Golden State has not played well at all. But here we are. They're still here, you know. Streaky. Both teams, really. Yeah. Uh, Boston, the better defensive team, not last night. Um, and Golden State, I mean, we, we saw it in the, the Memphis series, Chad, where the back and forth, where they, they'd be blown out one, one night, come back, lead by 25 the next. Um, that's why I initially jump on the Warriors bandwagon in this series, I'm saying. Yeah. But watching game one, you see the, the youth and, and, and the leadership of Boston that can certainly win this series. You said it. It was the youth. Golden State's been playing this way for the last eight years, but those guys are not 27 anymore. Now they're 34, 33. Clay is coming off a double, you know, missed season. Yep. You know, Draymond is older also, and they're trying to integrate all these young guys, which have helped. But you know, Iguodala's not the same. He was out last night. You know, so they gotta they gotta be more consistent. But you know, if the game gets away, they just let it go. Like they let that Memphis game go, they just let it go. They absolutely do that. Yeah. How do you confront? Draymond Green, if you're a player, do, do you go about ignoring him, or is it the old adage that you got to stand up to a bully at some point, but you don't want to be drawn into the mental game of it? 
how should players go about handling his antics? I, I think he does, and he's he's smarter than people think he is, and give him credit for. I think he particularly goes at certain players because he's watched so much film on them. And he he sees how they interact when they hit adversity. So I think he's very selective at who he's going at, and he's going he's going to shake it up a little bit. But I think you just got to let the antics go. Like you know what happened to Jalen Brown last night? That that completely threw him off his game. He had a good start, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, he was basically nothing after that because of the dust-up. And he was probably a little frustrated that Draymond didn't get thrown out, but that's what he does. You know, you just got to play a game, and, you know, you got to think about it. It's the NBA Finals. We got to let that go. So, I mean, I mean this by saying, with all respect to Draymond Green, because I wouldn't fight him, okay? But is he known as a guy who wants to fight? Like, is it – He's going up to toe the line, and then he's backing away, and someone else is running into the the fracas. Or is it, um, oh, this guy's a tough guy that you don't want to mess with, uh, like <laughs> because there there's a line yeah. that he's willing to go to, and you know sometimes he gets tossed, sometimes he doesn't, yeah. but it never really gets to the point of the actual physical confrontation. I, I think we all will go to that line until we start thinking about the the consequences. You know, this is not a regular season game. I think he learned his lesson too. I mean, he cost him probably cost him a championship. I know he thinks about that a lot. You know, they pro- they uh, they probably should have won that championship. And, you know, he's going to be himself. You know, he's going to be who he is. He's going to toe the line. And, you know, he's going to take a tech if he needs to take a tech. But that's going to send a message to the officials. And also, they they don't want to be that guy that throws him out. You know, you don't want to have to answer those questions after the game. And, you know, media scrutiny and people attacking your family. I mean, it's just the way it is. Brandon Wright in studio with us. You know, it's no doubt the, the Warriors have had a nice little dynasty here uh, with all these trips to the finals, multiple championships. When you see the makeup of this Celtics team, Brandon, do you see not necessarily Warriors-type level consistency of reaching the, the pinnacle, but a team that's going to be there for a while? I, st- I still don't know yet. I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced. Uh, I like Tatum. I like Brown. I like Marcus Smart. Um, I like the veterans they have. You know, Al Horford's been good. Grant Williams has been pretty good. Pritchard's been good off the bench. You know, but they don't use their bench. Um, they got a lot of young guys over there they really don't use. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not there with them yet. I don't know if they can rise above. Because, you know, Philly is good. Miami is good. Brooklyn, we don't know, but they still have pieces. You know, though these, these teams are coming. You know, some younger teams. Atlanta's pretty good. You know, Cleveland has a good player. So, you know. Can they sustain? You know, we don't know. I mean, the Warriors have done something that, you know, it's, it's spur-like almost. And they've done it by completely rebuilding it. Yeah. You know, when I say so. completely, the, the nucleus is still there, but they broke it down, had the worst record in basketball, and then have built it back up to get back to the finals, which is I mean, a tip to the cap to them. And, I mean, and that guy's not even producing. He's, he's been hurt. So, you know, you know, what can they be when they get, get him on board? Um, you know, they kind of save Andrew Wiggins' career. You know, he – yeah, they did. You can call him a failure, whatever you want to call him, uh, for a number one pick. I mean, he's still supremely talented, super athletic, but he got in the right situation. He's able to just play, and he's been a, he's been really, really solid, you know, for my eyes. One of the uh, I brought this up with Eric Snow. I want to get your take on it because I've been harping on this throughout the playoffs. I, I felt as though the the NBA has a lot of young talent and yeah. young stars, but to me, they missed out on building those young names and young stars, not because those teams. You know, were knocked out in the playoffs on the way to the conference final or the final, but because any time I wanted to check a score on my phone before I was actually tuning into the game, or if I flipped over to the game, 
there's a 25 to 30 point difference in these games in 20 uh, 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 from the second quarter to third quarter. Yeah. Very lopsided. And it could be one night to the other which team that would be. The series are going long, and that's what the league will point to. I would say the series are going long, but the games aren't all that competitive night in and night out. Is there a blowout problem early in these playoffs? And if so, what's leading to it and how do we fix it? I th- we don't know. You know, I think it's you know something they've been floating around, you know, changing the schedule. I don't think that's a big deal. You know, these guys have plenty of time to rest. Um, and I just think teams, you know, what we saw, you know, with the Lakers in the 2000s, what the Spurs did, you know, even what the Warriors did when they came around. Those teams, they just don't exist anymore right now. You know, those teams were, you know, you know, once we're old and gray and sitting on the couch, we'll look back and say, wow, those teams were really, really, really good. Back in our day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like, you know, seriously, I don't think those teams exist right now. And, you know, the Warriors are still that team, but they're a little bit older. You know, they, they rely on three guys over 30. You know, they probably have extra two or three seasons on their bodies apiece from playoff games. You know, one guy had a – ACL and um, Achilles. Another guy's just a distributor, defensive guy, and then you got to put all this this extra offensive pressure on um, Steph. You know they don't they don't have a KD sitting out there with him running. So it's all on him to get the job done. And you know he's been doing a good job, but you know they they can't they can't do like they were doing back in two thousand you know fourteen. It's not the not the same roster. Is there is there a point or a point differential in a game where the team that's down whatever point that is uh 20 25 that you just say well they got us tonight they're the hot team we're not pulling back because that in a game of in the nba game of runs i mean you can make up 15 points over a three and a half minute span pretty quickly yeah uh i don't want to say these teams quit i just don't see the same level of intensity uh night in night out from a lot of these teams not not now but earlier you know a month and a half ago when the playoffs started yeah it's tough you know, when you get down by 20, you know, you you know, you call a timeout, whatever, you talk about it. You know, and the coaches say, stop, score, stop. If you can get that, then you feel like you're in the game. But if, you, you know, if they score, you know, you don't score and they score again, you know, then you're down by 25, 26 points, now the game is over. So, you know, those philosophies are all in effect. You know, and it's it's hard to come back on professional. That's why the game one was – it blew my mind the way they were able to come back and, and – you know, win that game. You know, on both sides, it was, you know, something to, something to talk about. So Donovan Mitchell says that he's disappointed, uh, surprised with Quinn Snyder, the coach of the Jazz, resigning. Brandon, I take that as Donovan Mitchell really wants a say in who the Jazz hire next when he says that. When he says he's uncertain about his future, <clears throat> sounds like a guy who wants a say in the next head coach. W- what did you take from that report? Uh, it sounds like a guy who's on his way out. <laughs> you think he's done? I don't think he. Yeah, I don't think he'll play another game there. Um, I, I mean, it's been well reported, and I don't even know anything personally. But you can tell they just him and Rudy. They don't. They don't coexist for some reason. And it's a shame, you know, because I think they're like right, almost there. They're right there. They're still both young guys. They can, you know, if they stay together for another three, four years, they'll probably break through and get to the finals. But I, I just don't think they want to play with each other anymore. Uh, I think they just have philosophical differences. And I think, you know, Donovan might be on his way to Miami. And it's kind of crazy you say that because Mitchell has those comments and then you see what Pat Riley said, said today about Tyler Hero. I have not seen that. Well, Hero said, I want to be a starter next year. Pat Riley comes out today and says, earn and train the camp. 
So I can see some type of trade, you know, formulating between those two teams. And they got the pieces. They can get it done, you know, if they wanted to do something. But that was interesting that, that Pat would say that, you know, about, you know, probably, you know, second best player on the team, you know, to be honest. That's the next level right there, Brandon, because you uh, – the, the comments by Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, back in 2020 when he signed his big extension to stay in Utah, Quinn Snyder was a big reason why. Yeah. And two years later, he's he's – claiming to be caught off guard by it, but really has nothing to do with Quinn Snyder at all. Yeah. yeah there's another layer to it. And I, I, you know, I personally believe that he, he liked Quinn. I mean, I think everyone likes Quinn. He's a, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a good coach. Uh, he's really always trying to get guys to take care of the body. He doesn't overwork guys. You know, he's a player's guy. Like, people want to play for him. So, for him to leave or want to – I think he stepped down probably. He, he probably figured this is the ceiling with me here. Um you know, Donovan was probably like, all right, you know, I, do I want to – because they're going to try to hire something probably a little bit different. You know, they're not going to do the same thing they did with Quinn. They're going to try to switch it up, and that might not flow well with Donovan. What What was the issue in L.A. with the Lakers that – I mean, you, you tell me uh, two, five, ten years ago, the Lakers' job's open. That's a headline-type opening that doesn't last that long. Yeah. Big names are being included in that. There were not many big names mentioned this go around uh, what's what's the main reason for that other than them just being a bad team i mean that that's you know that's the biggest thing but you have uh, lebron and, i you mean have westbrook the, the, you know the problem is that people you know a lot of people say this is lebron's making all the decisions you know is he telling the coach who to play probably you know is he telling them who to go get in free agency you know probably i mean you have to do those things for lebron james and but the lakers they had problems way before that you know and i you know, Kobe and Shaq, you know, those guys covered up a lot of issues. Um, you know, especially in the early 2000s, they went in, went in championships. You know, the way Phil left, all, you know, that whole thing, it's been going on for a long People just hadn't really realized this thing's been going on for 20-plus years. It's been bad, really bad. And despite all that, they've won. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they win at a level yeah. was the Lake Show, and you just expect them to, to reach that level. They won in 2020 in the bubble. Uh, despite all the, the craziness going on. Um, Westbrook stays, you think? Has to. Has to. LeBron traded or no? No, I don't think so. So they're I, both back. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, cap flated three max guys. Tough to move those contracts around. And then the rumors are is, you know, all right, we'll take Westbrook back. We want a first-round pick, and we want uh, the young guy, uh, THT. We want, we want him, too. Well, all right, what kind of team we're going to have left when we, we send, all, you know, send those guys off? And what are you going to send us back? And then how do you make – that's probably – I think it's like $55, $56 million right there. How do you make that salary work? You know, it's, it's a tough situation. I, it's, it's tough with the Lakers just to see that because they've been going downhill for a long time, but they've been masked by tremendous players and, you know, the, the bubble championship and – and it's, right. it's, it's tough to Anthony Davis also. They got to get him healthy. Can he stay healthy? If he's not healthy, they can't win, you know, and no matter up, who, who they bring in. I only bring up the LeBron trade because uh, the report was that Phil Jackson behind the scenes as an advisor was the report was he would sign, sign for that scenario rather than get rid of Westbrook if a coach was trying to, to lobby his way into getting the job. If, 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 if I'm running the Lakers, if I'm in their front office – I would trade LeBron James just be, just to get the franchise back on track. Because some, somebody's going to give you something great for him. 
because of the brand. You know, he, he probably only yeah. has two or three great years left in his body if he chooses to. But you can get the Lakers back on track for the next, you know, five, six, 12 years, whatever you want to call it. How old is his son, Bronny? That's how long he has left. He wants to yeah. play with him, right? I think, is he, was he 16? He's going to be a senior in high school, I feel he's gonna like. He's going to be a senior? He's a Junior or senior, he's get. I mean, he's getting close to where he, he's I, being recruited and going to yeah. make a decision. I thought he was going to be on a, a college. I don't think he's stepping on a college campus anyway. <laughs> yeah, he may be two years away from it'll college. Be, it'll be G League. It's either going into junior year or going into yeah, senior. It'll, year. it'll, it'll I know be that. it'll be G League and then draft and then wherever he goes, LeBron goes. They play together one or two years, and LeBron's done. That's why. My, why wouldn't my, he just go make money at a school for a year? You <laughs> think of the NIL. That oh, he would yeah. make his LeBron James kid on campus as opposed to G League. I, mean, I, I would hope he'd go play college basketball for a year. They, I mean, they're, they're smart business people, though. Um, and his son is good. I, I've been watching I've been you know watching him closely more and more. He's not LeBron, obviously, whatever. But he's, still, he's a good player. But you he's think still, he's going to be in the league eventually? Probably. You yeah. know? It's, it's hard to say right now because he's, he's still a 16-, 17-year-old kid. But and you, he has a lot of expectation. Yeah, you put, you put him in college, and you never know what can happen. Go put him in a G League where he can go score a lot of points where defense doesn't matter and you know keep his stock and keep everything running high. Uh, final minute with you, Brandon Ride in studio. The Celtics win if what? They got to shut down Steph Curry. That's the head of the snake. If they can shut him down and the, the role players, Derek White, Horford, you know, Smart, they keep making those threes, they can win, but – I don't know what I, – I picked the Warriors in seven to win this thing, so I'm going to stick with that. And the, the Warriors, just the opposite. They win if Curry keeps going. They need a second guy to step up. Clay hasn't, hasn't looked bright, but they need him for about three or four games to be the old Clay, and then he can get himself back going this summer because he, he's still still trying to get himself where he back where he was before he got hurt. Bronny James, by the way, uh, 18 in October. 18, okay, so he's a little older, okay. Is he going to be a closer. senior? We're closer to LeBron's retirement. He's a year away from starring in the G League. <laughs> so right. there you go. Getting close. Brandon Wright always stars with us uh, on Outkick 360. Brandon, good to see you, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. you. Follow uh, Brandon at bwright34 on Twitter and uh, check him out on Instagram as well. Won't be the last time he's in studio with us. We wrap up the show coming up on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Been a fun show. One of the big headlines over the weekend, ESPN and their college baseball broadcast butchering a report on the Tennessee catcher uh, that was ruled out for the game. This is as we're going off the air on Friday. Um, On the air for the college baseball broadcast, uh, Chad, and I know you wrote about this at OutKick uh, today, ESPN, one of the broadcasters, goes on and says that it's because of a PED violation and that the entire team, the Tennessee roster, would then be tested for PEDs. Turns out that was nothing of the sort. It had to do with something completely different altogether where uh, the guy's dad's tweeting out medical updates. Of course, uh, Tony Vitello is giving updates to the media after the game. And meanwhile, the broadcaster apologized. ESPN is not. 
Yeah, and I've got to call him up about it right now. You know, my big question is Troy Eklund is the guy's name. He's an Arkansas former All-American. Arkansas hates Tennessee baseball. There's a huge feud between the two. Tony Vitello left Arkansas to go to Tennessee, where he was the hitting coach at Arkansas. Um, this guy follows some troll Arkansas fan account that had this fake report about Evan Russell getting popped for PEDs and the entire Tennessee team to be tested to see if they were eligible to continue in the NCAA tournament. It's a good lesson on, you know, you, you need to be social media savvy and know where you're reading things and see if it's a valid report from someone else before you do it. Uh, his father is citing some mental health issues, uh, anxiety, pressure, stress is why he didn't play. And my big thing with it is not that the mistake happened. It's when I listen to Troy Eklund call a game, I think, how is this guy on big ESPN calling a game? And then I start looking at it, and I think, ESPN has too many things. They're just throwing people on their main network because they have contractual obligations everywhere to cover sports. And at times, it leads you to a situation where you got someone who's probably not overly trained. I know he's done games for a while, but it can lead to these type of screw-ups. And ESPN is lawyered up. That's why they're not admitting fault in any of those. They're not going to apologize because they don't want that held against them in a lawsuit that they admitted to any wrongdoing. So Troy Eklund apologized. He apologized on air. He apologized on Twitter. Uh, will he continue calling games? I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. If he isn't, it'll be very quiet and how ESPN handles it. Back at it tomorrow. Big show plan. John McClain will join us among other big topics and discussion. Hope you'll join us. If you miss portions of the show, be sure to hit the podcast. Big thanks to all of our guests throughout today's show for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. <laughs>